With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Great. Thank you. Love I got to run. I hate Thank you so much. I would see, say, for example, uh, a person's house. I would uh, 
once that would start to nail uh, the cards that people had without needing chicanery to do it, and it would just freak me out. And some mm-hmm. people came up to me after a class and told me at that time silver was a was a big rage. I mean, it was just everywhere in the news, and mm-hmm. people were doing it. Um, you know, it was really trendy. And somebody came up and said, you know, we had just completed a class in silver mind control. And we thought that was the greatest ex- exhibition of ESP that we've ever seen. And uh, so that kind of uh, turned me away that, you know, these people uh, thought that I was real. And so I dismissed it. But it came back to me uh, about oh, I was performing way up in a college, way up in Vermont. And a guy walks into me at the end of the show and he says, uh, geez, can you tell me where to find uh, a ventriloquist? And I'm like, yeah, I can. And he says, I said, can I ask you why? He says, well, he says, I was just walking by. He says, I'm a professor of uh, philosophy, and I'm talking, uh, teaching a class in uh, Kant. And so I said to him, Immanuel Kant, I said, oh, what, the categorical imperative? And he looks at me, and I've got rubber chickens on the ground, and I've got all these props from this comedy act, and he's uh, – kind of says, how do you know about this stuff? And so we we talked a little bit. I said, well, how did you know that I would know who a ventriloquist was? Did you see the show? He says, no. I was walking by, and I just knew. I says, I just finished Mm -hmm. a course in civil mind control. Mm -hmm. And he says, I wrote my entire thesis, he says, using civil mind control. He says, I couldn't figure out a, um, a topic and he says, no, he says, but I went into, I was doing civil mind control at the time, and I used to go down this elevator, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, and, and see the floors, and then I would go to the bottom floor. And one day I got meted by these spirits who guided me down a hall into a huge library. They went over, grabbed the book, showed me the book, showed me the title, and I submitted it. It was accepted. They couldn't believe that I had come up with something because he says, and, you know, it's extremely difficult to get a topic. And he says, what I would do every single day is go down through this meditation process, and they would guide me into the library. They would open the book, and he says, I literally stole the the whole, um, you know, mm-hmm. thesis. He says, I, right. he says, I just, yeah, he says, so, I mean, obviously huh. it freaked me out, and obviously I was, you know, intrigued. So that's why you came to the and, seminar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, and I, but it was years later, and I forget how, oh, I know. I was reaching for a book, and this is, you know, a standard story in my life, reaching for a book, and instead of get, grabbing the book that I want, I grabbed the latest book on silver mind control that was recently updated. And then I, I don't know how, if I searched you out or something, but, mm. yeah, we connected. And, you found me. Yeah. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. and that's how we and met. So maybe the, the, what fascinated mm. me and um is, and I'm, you know, excuse me for monopolizing the conversation, but it's a great setup to give some validity to why, you know, we connected, et cetera. But, you know, here I am going to this class on uh, spirituality and me- uh, meditation, et cetera, and I walk in the door, and this will set it up, and there's this amazingly, strikingly gorgeous woman at the head of the class. <laughs> and I'm just, like, taking it back and going, wow, this is a treat. I didn't expect usually... You know, when you do things like this, you expect some earthy, crunchy, granola kind of gal uh, up there talking about the heavens. And there you are looking anything but and totally attractive, (laughs) stylish and uh, sexy, the whole thing. And then, you know, to me, that's what um, the the listeners have to hear because 
obviously you were an amazingly beautiful stewardess in the day when we could call a stewardess a stewardess. Well, yes. we were stewardesses. I started flying back in 1967, and it was a very competitive job to get. Everybody wanted to do it because in the 60s, there weren't the career options for women that we have today. And I was in a teacher's college. I went for two years, and then I thought, oh, my God, the next two years are going to be learning how to teach children. I wasn't ready for that. So I I ended up flying away. I got a job at United Airlines, and I flew for 35 years. I loved it so much. Wow. But, yeah, it was it was back in the glamour days. I, I always like to say I saw the absolute best of the airline industry, and then, of course, I flew right through 9-11 because I retired in 2002, and I actually got to see the worst of it. Um, wow. So you, oh, my yeah. God, you hit that, your career spanned that long? Oh, 35 years, yeah, yeah. And, wow, fascinating. Um, and I decided to leave. Mm-hmm. But the minute I started flying, I was put on a metaphysical path. It was as if my higher self knew exactly where I needed to go in order to meet teachers and have the kind of experiences that I needed to have to grow my soul and develop in this lifetime. And it was the absolute perfect vehicle for me to get on the jet. Because um, my first base was Chicago. And right after I moved into this building uh, in Chicago that was all stewardesses except for uh, the guy who managed the building, Dickie, and then these two other guys moved in, and they were marketing guys who moved in specifically because they knew the building was full of students. <laughs> <laughs> Back then they called these guys stew bums, but they weren't really bums. They were guys that made money and just liked to go out with stewardesses because you know, they were available. They weren't stupid. But um, one of them became my first teacher of metaphysics because he taught me the art of creative visualization and he told me how to visualize what I want and and, you know feel like I've already gotten it Mm -hmm. and I really wanted I really wanted to go to New York and be based there and so I just pictured myself felt myself transferred to New York in a beautiful apartment and it all happened so fast it it just kind of blew my mind and it made me realize um, What's the line? The air, it, it just went dead. Are you on a, a cell phone or are you? A, a... Oh, I'm on a cell. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, do you have a landline? No, I don't. Oh, okay. No, but okay, just cut out for a second. But go ahead. Oh, okay. So anyway, that was my first clue that you know thoughts are things, and right. I've been studying metaphysics ever since. It was my first big aha moment. Um, well, and now well, so, in the book. Well, I, I think yeah, but it, when you t- explained the class, I think you had. Um, an incident that happened, you know, here's where we go into the people who aren't uh, in tune with uh, spirituality and metaphysics, you know, and would kind of dismiss this. But you were in telling me about when you were 18 or so. Well, yeah, I mean, these are important things to bring into the discussion. Mm-hmm. I think you're 18, you're in Fall River or someplace, and you're looking at the ocean. New bed. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. I'm, I'm sitting. Yeah, I'm sitting in a car with a guy, and we're looking out at the ocean, and um, he was in. Co- we were both in college, <clears throat> and um, we were just sitting there looking out toward Martha's Vineyard. And this was in New Bedford, Massachusetts. And these three blinking lights started coming closer and closer and closer to the shore. And they got close enough so that we could clearly see they were three flying saucers, saucer-shaped vehicles with little domes on top, blinking, flying together. 
making no noise, got out of the car. They were hovering right over our head, and it was amazing. And I realized when I looked at the... It sounds like a Spielberg movie. That's amazing. I I didn't remember that they had actually stopped above you. Oh, yeah. They came right up to the shore and were hovering above our head. And um, I looked at them and I said, I have to find out where these are coming from because they're coming from somewhere. And I certainly had no... Um, you know, idea of how they could be made in our country or the world at that point. It was it was the 1960s, and um, so that was when I I decided I had to join the airline to find out more. And I interviewed pilots my whole career to find out what they knew, and um, quickly found out in 1967 when I started flying that they didn't like to talk about those things because. Uh, some people had made the pilots had made the mistake of reporting incidents and had been actually harassed and um, almost forced to quit because nobody wanted to talk about it. But I was interesting, interesting, yeah, interesting. interesting. Yeah, interesting. but um, that that was what opened up my thought. After that experience in my teen years, my um, critical mind said um, anything's possible, and I've always had an open mind. Not that I believe everything everybody tells me, but I am open to possibilities. And metaphysical people, I find you have to have an open mind if you want to be on the spiritual path. And yeah, you cut out just a little bit here. Mm. Let's see if you come back. Okay, you just came back. Now, uh, there was one other incident. Again, I, I think these are really important and significant for the rest of how the rest of the story develops. You right. got cancer in your 20s. That's right. That's right. Um, after I um, had gotten on the spiritual path a bit and I was using creative visualization and studying the works of Gurdjieff, he was one of my favorite teachers, Gurdjieff, who was, um, who was a Russian, George Gurdjieff, a Russian mystic who um, lived in all over the world, actually. He lived in New York City for a time, and he had a center in Europe called Fontainebleau where he trained people to wake up you know that's what my that's my big theme in this life waking up and uh, but i found myself in my mid 20s being diagnosed with early cancer after a routine um yeah you cut out for a second but you that, uh, i'll fill in I'm well back. fill it in see if you came back here okay. go ahead yeah i i went through a routine diagnosed physical, with diagnosed with early cervical cancer and okay. i was told that I, if i didn't have surgery to remove my uterus, not just, you know, remove it completely in my mid-20s, I would be dead by the time I was 40. And that was not um, something that I chose to do. I mean, they might as well have, the doctor might as well have said, you know, I want to cut your head off tomorrow. I wasn't prepared in any way to do that. And I wasn't prepared to be dead by the time I was 40. So I was up against the wall, and it forced me to... Make a decision. All right, do you want to go material route or spiritual? This is like your crossroad. And I had heard about spiritual healing from a man who was healed of a brain tumor um, in Christian science. And I thought, well, if it works for him, I'm going to try it. And I went to a Christian science practitioner, had an instantaneous healing as she explained to me that I was the perfect child of God and perfect health with my birthright. Because I had an open mind, I was able to completely accept that that was the truth. And I can remember, like, my mind going in a nanosecond 
through, through my life and going, of course, there's no problem. You know, I was born without anything invading my body, so why would I think it would do it now? And it just totally transformed me. It was kind of one of those, you know, you can have a transformative experience when, you're, when you have a healing like that. And um, I never worried about my body again, even though there were a couple of little things that came along, but it was always dealt with um, on the spiritual level eventually. So and did you, I think you told me you had gone back to the doctor and he was in total disbelief. Um, well, I did, I did have a, a physical a year after this healing, and, yeah, there was absolutely no um, sign of anything. It was completely, I was completely healed. Yeah. You know, I've heard, uh, you know, when, recounting these kind of things, you know, you just jog my memory. I mean, all my life, um, path, my path has been to meet people like you who've had these experiences. And, uh, you know, I, I know personally, I mean, I've seen the x-ray films, uh, you know, that was my business for years. And I saw before and afters. And, you know, these, these amazing things um, do mm-hmm. happen. And so, okay. all right, so now just jump to good because i think those two things are very important in your story hmm. the the ufo experience and then you know which it gave you a shift in your head that wow all things are possible and second of all exactly. an actual healing where you went right. from having cancer to being free of cancer yeah. and then right. the, the the decision that okay now i'm going to be a flight attendant and then you start meeting these teachers along mm-hmm. the way mm-hmm yeah. And so about the, now the book is uh, how how do you how do you start off the book? Do you start at that point with the saucers, or do you um, go back to your childhood? Uh, how, how do you how um, do you begin? Well, yeah, you it's a, it's a, it is a, it is a memoir. It is a memoir. So there is a little bit about my childhood. Um, every chapter in the book, um, I try to talk about something that happened to me. Um, and some of them are pretty, pretty like getting raped is one one part of it. Um, I went to I went and applied for a job at the Bunny Club in New York. You know the Playboy Club. Um, yep. There's a chapter called Bunny Club. Um, I mean I was out there doing things. I I had three husbands. I owned a modeling agency in New York City. I was an entrepreneur many times. Different businesses. I mean I've been out there in the world, and I wanted to share with people. Um, ways that you can be in the world, maybe, you know, you get divorced or you're given a bad diagnosis or something terrible happens to you, but you can always overcome it. My philosophy is, from all the metaphysical things I've studied and worked with and taught, is that there's always a solution. And I, I wrote this book because I feel there is a shift taking place on the planet. You know, people are um, either opening their thoughts to the spiritual dimension, or they're shutting down, and they, you know, they don't want to hear about it. But for those that are, you know, interested, because I know I love to read books like this myself, um, I'm always looking for people that have had epiphanies, transformative experiences, and how they share their stories. And that's that's what it is. It's it's another um, way for people to relate. Yeah, you cut out yeah, how they share their, fill in the blanks there, right. how they share their their um their you know spiritual experiences and their transformative experiences right. and uh, what we can learn from each other but it's a good read the people two people that have read it said oh my gosh i couldn't put it down you know it's it's fun to read 
Well, yeah, and you, as you explained to me, it's not just uh, it's just not the metaphysical. There's some good sex in there, and there's some uh, um, you know some other interesting anecdotes. <laughs> that or maybe you were just telling me that to get me to read it. But is that true? Do we do we have no, some it's encounters? Got, it's a real story. It's a real it's it's a story of you know I, I would call it. It's kind of like a cross between Sex in the City meets Bridget Jones' Diary meets Mother Teresa. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> now that'll entice a reader. <laughs> so, Sex in the City, well, Bridget Bridget Jones' the, Diary, and what Bridget was the third? Diary, Mother Teresa. <laughs> Is that on the jacket? No, but I might put. I just thought it of should that be. Because I was trying to figure out what it is. That, what it that's really your is. elevator pitch, boy. I'll tell you that if that doesn't entice a reader. Uh, yeah, I that. Fantastic. Um, you know, when I go back, I'm going to edit the uh, the the tags and uh, <laughs> of this particular show that'll be on the internet, and I'm going to have to uh, introduce that bit. So, um, Bridget Jones, Bridget. Jones's diary. That's a mouthful right there. Um what was uh-huh. Sex in the was City pretty. and Sex and Mother Teresa. City. Right. Yeah. Uh, great. Mm-hmm. Great. It's all in there. It's all in there. <laughs> it's something for everyone. We'll talk yeah. about a tr- trinity. That's a trinity right there. Um <laughs> uh, so go ahead. so how so you talk about your childhood da 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 and then uh, what so is, is, imagine you know you've got the book in front of you and is unraveling. Where does it start to? Where's the turning point in the book where things start to, you know, the reader starts to understand. Oh my God, this person has really been on a path. Well, I'll tell you, I let a I let a man read it who owns a magazine here locally, and he's mm-hmm. not metaphysical. He doesn't know what the word metaphysical means, and the name of right. the book is The Secrets of a Metaphysical Flight Attendant. But he okay. said, he said, but Rebecca, I couldn't put it down. He said, this book is written on different levels. He said, I just enjoyed the adventure of it, the, you know, the things you did, the places you went. He said, I want to see pictures of, you know, your place in New York and when you were here and when you were there. He wants to see all these pictures. I said, you know, I don't think there's going to be pictures in this book. But, um, <laughs> you know, he, he, he really got into, you know, the story. But then on another level, it's written to help people figure out how they can truly find inner peace. Right. Inner peace, which is what a lot of people are looking for. And it's a very elusive thing because it seems like there's always one more problem that pops up, and if you could just solve that one, then you can have that inner peace that you're always looking for. And you and I have talked about this a lot. Yeah. Inner peace you is know, something you can uh, have right as now. As you and I have, uh, you know, been friends now for God, it's probably a good uh, eight years anyway, because I think I did take the mm-hmm. course about 2005, 2006. And, again, it was one of those things that just, you know, I always toyed with the idea. didn't have the money, but, but then when I saw that your course was a full weekend, and, uh, you know, I, I'll give my take on the course. It was, um, you know, I started to see, you know, I had meditated for years, and so I was always interested in what, you know the, the the silver technique was because obviously if some guy ends up writing a thesis uh, based on his experience with it, you know I for years I was hoping those those same guys that he had came to me and gave me the great American novel, um, but you know I, I I just sat there in the class and you know when you were using the well why don't you explain what the difference is when you know you you were using the beats and the um, 
the, the you know, the, well, obviously the, the alpha. Go, the go ahead. The, yeah, the point of the Silva training is to teach someone how to go to the alpha level of consciousness on command, which is where we think better, we have intuition, we, you know, have amazing experiences because we're using our intuition and our spiritual sense as opposed to mm-hmm. the beta level of consciousness, which is where most people are operating from most of the time when they're awake. So to go there on command is the realm of genius. That's where people who are able to write thesis effortlessly or Einstein could lie down on his couch and, you know, kind of have a little semi-snooze and come up with theories and solutions to questions that he had. This is where geniuses go, and that's what it's teaching people, how to think like a genius, how to go to that level of consciousness where you can solve problems, be healed. Right, um, well, yeah, and... and yeah, if I can interject, mm-hmm. how to not think <laughs> is really mm-hmm. what it teaches, mm-hmm. and That's then right. to open up to open up to the universal mind or whatever we want to, whatever label we want to give the thing that we really don't understand. Yeah. And right. um, that's where all the great ideas. I laugh at people who say, "Well, I wrote the book." No, you didn't. <laughs> that's right. Not when you're yeah. on a genius level. No, you didn't. You know, you mm-hmm. heard something, and they will admit that. And, you know, people just talk about automatic writing, and I've experienced it. You've experienced it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, okay. Yeah. So, and and, and mm-hmm. so again, getting into the book, you're, you're looking at the book, and now you, you, again, the stories and everything else. But when do the aha moments come? I mean, so we we know you had an aha moment with the with the uh, saucers. We had an aha moment, obviously, with the uh, the the the, the, um, the the cure, the healing. The healing, and then right. you meet the, the, the mm-hmm. and then you. So was it when you went to actually visualize being in New York, and then ended up in New York that you um, started to get the aha moments that, wow, you know, I really am. Well, right now, um, well, the UFOs were the first aha moment, I have to say. And, um, I mean, some people are naturally kind of like these intuitive empath kind of people. And I think as a, even a kid, I mean, I had an imaginary friend who was as real as a real person. Um, right. you know, her name was Dea Wyatt right. and she lived down by the river. So, you know, people like that, I think tend to, um, think this way more than some other people, which, you know, it's just the way the planet is. But um, it, it, it doesn't stop. I mean, I'm still having aha moments in that I attracted, I mean, I just signed a contract um, with a publisher two weeks ago, less than two weeks mm-hmm. ago. And that was an aha moment because, you know, many people write books, but they never figure out how to get it out there into the world. And that's all kind of unfolding very effortlessly, too. Um, you know, and I wrote this book with a writing partner who's a writer. It's my story, but she's the writer. And when I when I found her after doing a little search on the Internet, I, call, I called her up, and right away she said, oh, I know you, I recognize your voice. We met in a shop called The Magic Mirror a few years ago, and I can remember your voice from talking to you. I wow. mean, it was that kind of thing. It's yeah. synchronicity yep. meant to be. So if you're right. in the flow, everything just kind of, yeah, I always say all you have to do is get dressed and show up every day for life. Well, if you, you know, know, if you're in the right true. state. Woody, Woody Allen says it best, 90% of life is showing up, and mm-hmm. uh, it's so true. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay, so what's, so those two experiences were extremely transformative. What was another one in the book that you might have mentioned that was a mind blower? Let's see. 
Well, um, oh, gee. Um, well, I have three husbands mentioned in the book, and I learned tremendous lessons from all three of them because um, they were probably the same person in different bodies in a way. So they say we always attract the same thing, but they were all uniquely different. The first husband uh-huh. was a drop-dead gorgeous international model. And, you know, we lived in New York City and owned a modeling agency. The second one was um, a, kind of a crazy uh, entrepreneur. And we lived in a mansion in Newport and had a telephone company. And then the third one um, was uh, had a trust fund, so he never took work very seriously. And he came from a very interesting American family. He had many very famous relatives. And, you know, that kind of was another lesson in itself to see how he operated. So you lived, so was, you lived the, the, literally, you lived the jet-set life. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Fabulous. What, and was it, uh, checking things out the whole time. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, from what it sounds like now, I mean, you just, <laughs> you lived the kind of life that most people can't even imagine. Well, in many ways I did, because I'll tell you, to be a stewardess in the 60s, just that alone was an experience that um, people, I mean, we, we lived the life, believe me, everywhere we went. We were like the supermodels of that time because oh, we never had to pay for anything. Everybody wanted to wine us and dine us, and we stayed in the best hotels, and all the passengers were actually, um, hmm, how can I say, it was an exclusive club back then to fly. That's that's true. Now that's right. You know, I have a saying that uh, what, is once a luxury soon becomes a drudgery. Right. And, you know, and that the airline is, I mean, today, I mean, getting on airlines is, is a painful experience with all of the security and the lines and the the, the people. I mean, they, they to me, they've just uh-huh. become nothing but bus stops, you know. One of my chapters is called You Might Need a Private Jet. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Exactly. Right. Uh, well, listen, I, we got to do this. We're coming down to the half hour. If you, I can extend the show if you wish, um, mm. or we can uh, call this a wrap and then pick it up uh, because there's obviously um, much, much, much more. We, we've only brushed the surface. This is the tip of the iceberg on where we can go with all of this. Anything you want to um, cover here from, from this point forward? On this call? Well, I, just, I want to thank you for all the nice things you said about me. I didn't realize when you walked into my classroom you were that taken. <laughs> uh, well, I I did. I said something about, I, I figured I came out, you know, being a comedian in a the, in the flirt, I came out with some remark, and all the, the other heads in the uh, class turned on me, looked at me like, what, are you crazy? You know, you don't say those things in the, the year 2000-plus uh, But, yeah, you are an extremely attractive woman. And, and again, I didn't, you know, I'm thinking we're going to go in and eat granola and uh, have bells and chimes and Tibetan flags, prayer flags, and there was none of that. Frenchy granola. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, you know, so instead this very attractive woman who's, you know, dressed to kill and and hair is done and, you know, has beautiful jewelry and et cetera. And I'm going, wow, this is uh so, I mean, I think that's an essential part of um, what the listener has to hear today is that, you know, this is not, um, you know, Rebecca's not somebody in an ashram who can, you know, who's got tons of money 
and you know can afford to have this ashram and all these followers and you know and 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 yet has no base in reality you lived a very sensual very um materialistic oh, in a lot of ways world, very worldly life yeah, you had absolutely your feet. You i had kept out a lot of one, things yeah you had your two feet in two different planes the material plane the physical plane and and the spiritual and uh, which is you know, which is, I think, makes your story even more unique in that you um, were able to, to to be grounded in in both and have both of them work together, synthesize and and give you an amazing life. Well, I tell people that if there's something you really, really desire, and I love glamour and excitement and adventure and people, so I put myself out there and I tell people, don't repress yourself. If you have a strong desire to, you know, be a singer or, you know, run away and be join the circus. So whatever your desire is, do it because you have to feel like you've tried everything that you're, you've been desiring. And I call it looking under rocks because usually you look under there and you find out, oh, well, it, it's fun, but it, maybe it's not exactly what I thought it would be. Um, you know, there's, a, there's an up and a downside to everything, but you got to check it out. And that's what um, makes people happy when they're, free to do whatever they want to do and explore. And that's why we came here. We, we came here on a purpose, but part of our well, purpose exactly. is and what, and what do you call it? Look, what we looking, looking, What do you I call, call it? Looking under, the, looking under looking rock. Looking under rock. Great. Because usually I would find, you know, a few worms under there too that would <laughs> be crawling around. <laughs> but I checked it out. At least I satisfied my curiosity and found out what was there. Yeah. And it, it's interesting. And it makes you, and then you have happy memories because you have, you know, you've done so many things, you can think about all these different aspects of your life, which is kind of Great. Fun. Now, where can we get the book? The book will be out. Um, I talked to my publisher yesterday. Realistically, it will be out after the first of the year. I'm not okay. sure exactly when. Um, it's in the editing process right now, but it is completed. And um, <clears throat> that's the deal. It will be published by Balboa Press, which is a division of Hay House. Great. Well, you know, uh, it is a great – everybody, you know, not everybody, but a lot of people talk about a book, and you're right. It's a major undertaking. It's a lot of work, uh, and you did it, and that's one of the amazing things about today is with the today's technology, you don't have to uh, beg some established uh, publisher. In fact, the established publishers are in big trouble um, mm-hmm. because so many people can have access to the world and an audience, and you've done it. And congratulations, and I think um, I'm up for doing many more of these. I hope you are. Oh, I love it. Yeah, it's fun. Anytime. Okay, great. Well, okay. Uh, that's it. Rebecca Cushing, who, uh, and it's the, what is the exact title of the? Now, I've changed my name to my, my name, Rebecca Tripp. Cushing was Tripp. my, you know, my last one. I'm now Rebecca oh, Tripp. Oh, okay. So mm-hmm. now you're, and, you're uh, what a hmm? trip. Are you really yes. Rebecca Tripp? That's always been okay. My so name. I don't call you Rebecca Cushing anymore. No, call me Rebecca Tripp, T R I P P. And okay. um, yeah, that's great. Me. And it's uh, <laughs> the what is it? The of a metaphysical flight attendant? The, the secret. What? The secret. The secret. The secrets of a metaphysical Excellent. flight attendant. Right. Rebecca, thank you so much. Okay, thank you, Tom. Oh, it's fading out soon. here, cutting out, but that's okay. okay. All right. All right. Okay. Bye-bye. Talk Bye. to you the next time. Bye. That's okay. it, folks. Uh, September f- September 5, 2013, 
and uh, have a great day. A metaphysical, have a nice metaphysical flight. <laughs> Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.